All right, we're going to come back together. We're going to wrap our conversations. Come together. Sometimes it's really special to just be asked how you're doing and then say it. So I hope that was nice for you. Um, so this is Palm Sunday. Um, this marks our entrance into Holy Week, which is the last week of Lent. Next week we will be together celebrating Easter. Uh, but there's a lot in us, a lot for us in this moment um, and in this story before we get to that. In this whole Lent season, we've been trying our best to say there's a lot for us before we skip ahead to Easter. I grew up um, in a good evangelical church that almost always skipped ahead towards Easter. Um, and so we're going to be in Palm Sunday. We're going to talk about Holy Week um, and see what this story has for us in this moment. So we're going to be in the book of Matthew. And it says this, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Unite them and bring them to me. If anyone says to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the fowl of the donkey, foal of a donkey? Um, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. All right, so this is our Jesus has done all the things, all the things, healed people, cast out demons, brought people back, done all the things, and is returning to Jerusalem. And people are, like, laying their coats down. They have the palm branches. They're saying Hosanna because they're like, this is it. This is the one who will save us. This is the one who has come for us. This is it. Jesus is it, right, which is amazing. Sounds good, yes? Um, and then the week goes on. Um, and Jesus gets arrested, and they're like, no, it's probably still fine, though. It's Jesus. And then, um, you know, they start to uh, do not great things to him, and they're like, but I'm sure it'll turn around. And he's carrying his cross, and then we have Good Friday, and you have Jesus on the cross. So this week really takes a lot of turns, right? We have this big experience of Jesus, and we have watched him, and we have felt like this is the one, and then um, the week goes on, and there are a lot of twists and turns. And as I was thinking about this and preparing for this Sunday, I was thinking of so many experiences I feel like my wife and I have had lately where we're just, like, asked to hold so many things that don't make sense, you know? Uh, a few weeks ago, my sister turned 40, um, and 
my sister's amazing and wonderful and a Pisces queen. So, like, her 40th birthday, we've been planning for, like, months. You know, like, there were Google Docs. There were meetings. Like, there were assigned categories of things for this. It was a three-day event. Um, and I'm not kidding when I say, like, we have been planning it for a month. Like, I have been on Zoom calls with our other friends of, like, okay, you, okay you're on this. Um, and the week before, everything's ready, and I'm like, this is going to be a really special opportunity to celebrate the life of my sister. Um, and then the week before, we had a friend um, pass away uh, very unexpectedly, and then their funeral um, was set right in the middle of, of the weekend. And I remember thinking, Sammy and I are leaving, um, you know, West Hollywood after watching some amazing drag queens, and uh, just feeling like so full of life and like crumpled dollars in our pockets and then driving down to Orange County being like, how, how do we do this? How do we do this well? How do we um, genuinely show up and celebrate the life of uh, this person who we love so much um, and be present there? And how do we show up and mourn with our friends and let ourselves grieve um, and then get back into the, can we do, how is this a thing that is expected of us as people? Right? Have you guys ever had any, I've had so many of those situations lately where I'm like, I, I don't know if I could hold both of these realities. And so I was going down that path, and that's a lot of what I was going to talk about this morning. And then the shooting in Nashville happened. And I was like, I'm tired. I'm so tired. And how do we do this? And I was laying in um, bed with my wife, and she looked at me. Well, she looked over, she turned her head towards me. My wife sleeps with an eye mask, and, like, we'll start talking, and she doesn't take it off. So, like, imagine, imagine someone saying something very sincere to you. You just can't see any of their, their face, half their face. Um, so she gestured towards me um, and said, it just feels really hard to hope. It just feels so hard to hope right now. And what I imagined, there was sadness in her eyes. Um, <laughs> behind the mask. Not a metaphor. And, and I was like, yeah, it is hard to hope. Hope is hard. Hope requires something of us. And that is the invitation of Palm Sunday. And that is why this story is so important. Because the moment that you have something and you think, like, this is the thing that will save us. This is the thing that has come. And then you watch that thing get crumpled down and crumpled down and crumpled down and beat down. You're like, what in the actual world? How am I supposed to still have hope if the thing I'm supposed to have hope in isn't working right now? And it just keeps not working and not working and it keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And how am I supposed to have hope? Well, we say in here all the time in New Abbey, we take the Bible seriously and not literally. And the Bible starts with political statement after political statement after political statement. And we see in Scripture over and over again the fight for dignity for people. We see very early on in the Bible, in the book of Exodus, we see God saying, guess what? You sacrificing children so that Pharaoh could have more power isn't right. I'm going to fight against that. But that dignity, that doesn't happen. It's, you keep having to fight and fight and fight. And then Jesus comes and says, hey, I will fight for the dignity of this woman who you're going to stone because of these arbitrary laws made by these men. Guess what? I will fight for that. I will fight for the dignity of the people who are demon possessed. I will fight for the dignity of the powerless and I will do this over and over and over and over again. And it will end in the cross. It's not super hopeful. But I think it's helpful. Because I think I'm sitting here I was telling this um, <laughs> To someone the other day, I, I grew up in Colorado, and I will never forget 
I was in middle school, um, and my school was not far from Columbine High School. So I'll never forget sitting in middle school, and you know we didn't have cell phones, or maybe some people did. I definitely didn't have a cell phone, and we don't have any information. Our school just says, "Hey, uh, I was in history class," and they said, "You guys are going to be here until your parents can come get you," and that's all we can say. And um, they turned on a movie, and we just sat there with no idea what was happening. And um, my mom came to get me, and we were supposed to bring a friend uh, home with school, from school that day. And the school was saying, you can, you can only get out your child, but her parents had a work thing. And I remember I was standing there, my mom was like crying, just like, please let me take her, please. You know, and I'm like, what is happening? You know, and so I sat in the car um, with my mom and my friend. They eventually let us go together, and my mom told us what happened. Um, and I remember just thinking, this is wild. This is wild. This is absolutely wrong. This is so wrong. This is so bad. And if you would have asked me never in my wildest dreams would I have assumed that I would have that same feeling and be in that same scenario almost 400 more times. It doesn't seem like it's working. And the story of Jesus in Palm Sunday gives us insight into how to cultivate hope and how to be hopeful and how to keep fighting even though these things keep happening. Even though that to the end of Jesus' life he was fighting against the same things that we were fighting against, the Israelites were fighting against in the book of Exodus. It's incredibly hopeful and helpful for us in our narrative. The story doesn't go, hey, Jesus came down and boom, everything in the world got better. It was fixed and nothing bad ever happened. No, the story goes, the things that I came, the empires that I came to destroy, they are pervasive. They are everywhere in our world. And it is going to take all of you to cultivate a life of hope, to fight back against those things. The day after, the very next day, after Jesus rode in, do you know what he was doing? He was in the temple flipping over the tables because he was saying, hey, we're fighting the empire. This is supposed to be a house of God, and you are looking more like the empire, and that's not okay. And that's very relevant to what we are doing today. We are looking around and we are saying, this is not okay. Sacrificing our children so that powerful people can have power is not okay. Policing what people wear because I don't actually know why is not okay. These things that Jesus stood for, we still have to stand for. And how do we find hope in the midst of that? How do we hold the tension between what has already happened and what has not yet happened and what we are right in the middle of? We can't skip ahead to resurrection. We have to sit in Holy Week. We have to sit with the tension of waving palm branches and feeling like, oh, we're going to make it, of experiencing big wins and then big losses. I know people always say, never meet your heroes. And I think a lot of time that's true. I do not, do not want to meet Beyonce. I do not want to know. She is who she is in my mind. And I I never want to know anything different. Do you remember how sad it was when we all found out Ellen was mean? Do you remember how sad that was? I do not want that for my queen. I do not want that. But a few years ago, I did get to meet one of my heroes. um, And it was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. I was with a group of people. And we were going on a civil rights tour. And we were going all through the south. And the 
trip was going to end in, in Washington, D.C., where we would talk about what's next uh, for the civil rights movement and what's next for people. And I had heard a rumor that if you ask any congressperson for just 15 minutes, that you're like really likely, a lot more likely to get their time. And so I literally just Googled the number, like John Lewis office, um, and called. And I was like, could I have 15 minutes with Congressman John Lewis? And they were like, sure. Wild. I don't know. Just call. Just call. You guys just, I don't know. Go out there. So if you don't know, John Lewis uh, was a very key figure in the civil rights movement. This man was, had his hand in everything, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, organizing the sit-ins, the Freedom Riders. He was the youngest speaker at the March on Washington. He was right there um, when they uh, did the march for voting rights in Selma across the Edmund Pettus Bridge. He was in everything. And he was one of the very few uh, leaders who came out of that movement with his life and then continued to fight, and then became a congressman. So a living legend, a living piece of history, and I was so excited, I could not believe that I was going to meet literally one of my biggest heroes in this life, and we got to his office, and they said, hey, if you wait like 45 more minutes, in his, he'll have more time, more than 15 minutes. So I was like, yes, I'll wait, I'll wait days, I'll sleep here. And so, um, we're in his office and we're seeing pictures of him and everyone that you've ever admired. Imagine going in a room and this is a picture of everyone you've ever admired with this person. Um, so we're sitting there um, and we go in this room and he ends up spending over an hour with us, just talking with us and telling us about what it was like back then and the fight for voting rights and the fight for this. And we asked him what it was like to be the youngest speaker at the March on Washington. And did he remember his speech? And he said, do I remember it? And then he gave his speech for us right there at like a conference table at the White. It was incredible. It was so incredible. At the very end, I remember, so he, you know, he asked us, he didn't ask us not to record per se. And so <laughs> at the very end, we're leaving and we're like, sir, your honor, Lewis, president, any, whatever you want me to call it. Um, do you have any words for us? Like everything you did, a little bit feels like we're doing it again. It a little bit feels like we took some steps forward. You were a huge part of that, and we're taking steps back. And we don't really know what to do. Because imagine being John Lewis. Imagine marching with Martin Luther King Jr. for the Voting Rights Act and then being in the White House in 2016 and watching some of the biggest voter suppression we have seen in years come right on back. Imagine being John Lewis and you do all of these things. You see the first black president elected. You think you've made it. And then 2016 happens. Imagine being John Lewis after you marched and were beat down in the streets and you live to see George Floyd murdered in the street. Imagine being that man. That is what we're talking about when we talk about Holy Week and Palm Sunday and the ministry of Jesus. Imagine if you see the Israelites be freed and then you see women getting stoned for being caught in adultery, whatever that means. Imagine if you see you free the kids from Pharaoh only to see them come under a different kind of empire. Imagine if you fight against the empire to build the kingdom of God and temples of God and then you see that empire infiltrate the temples. That's what these people are living under. That's the invitation. So this is a very bad video because I wasn't technically supposed to be taking it. 
but I wasn't not not supposed to be taking it, okay? It's legal in DC. It, that's exactly what I was saying. It's legal in DC if you're having a conversation. Just got legal advice, thank you. Um, so we asked Congressman Lewis, um, do you have any words for us? And, and I just want you to know, I've had this video on my phone since the day I met him. And this week, I've watched it probably a um, hundred times. Uh, so here, here's what he said. That's what he said. The picture wasn't there, but imagine the best man you've ever seen um, saying those words and us awkwardly laughing, like, <laughs> don't stop talking to us, please. <laughs> but that's what he said. He said, you gotta be able to make a, find a way to make a way out of no way. Be optimistic, be hopeful, never give up, never give in. This is the man. This is the man who marched and spoke at the March on Washington and then watched neo-Nazis march through the streets of Charlotte. This, this is that same person, the same man who got the Civil Rights Act passed and then watching those come down one after one after one. He's telling me to make a way out of no way because he knows something that Jesus knows, that the writers of the scriptures knew, that the Bible is telling us. That we don't get to skip ahead to resurrection. And guess what? We may not even see the fullness of the things that we are meant to undo in this world. Octavia Butler says it this way. She says, our job, our job here is to plant seeds for trees we may never sit under. You may never see the shade of the trees that you are planting. But our job is to plant, to water, to keep going, to keep going, to keep going. Even when it looks like the empire is winning, you have to keep going. I believe, I believe in my whole heart, with everything in me, I believe there will be a world without guns. I absolutely believe it. I don't know that I will see it, but you better believe I will do everything I can while I am here to plant and water those seeds. John Lewis is famous for telling people that they need to go get into good trouble. You guys heard this? It's his famous line. He was arrested, I don't know how many times that man was arrested, um, and, and beat down and done so many things for what he was trying to do and fight the empire and advance this kingdom and to fight for equality. And so he always tells people, you got to get in trouble, you got to get in good trouble. And I've been thinking about his words so much and thinking about him this week and being like, we need to experience some good grief. Good grief? I just realized that that's already a thing. Um, <laughs> it didn't click when I was writing it down. Um, I think the invitation is to get into some good grief. The grief that prays and the grief that mourns and the grief that calls us to action. The grief that allows us to weep while at the same time looking the empire dead in the eye and saying, you will fall. 
You will fall. Resurrection will come. I will have hope. We will win. And I don't even know if I'll be here to see it, but I will have hope in this moment. I will hold my grief and the hope. I will hold the already and the not yet. I will hold all the work that John Lewis did, all the work that is left to do, the flip-flopping, the back and forth. I will hold the palm branches and the sacrifice and the crucifixion. I will hold it all as I grieve and believe that resurrection is ahead even if I don't get to see it. And that's good grief. That is hard grief. That is the invitation of Holy Week. The kind of grief that a person knows, and if you are a person in this room who has experienced life, you know what it feels like to be in your life and feel like everyone is waving palm branches in your face and being like, you are amazing. And you know what it's like to feel betrayed. Because even after Jesus healed the blind and the sick and did all these things, then his best friends are like, you know Jesus? And he was like, um, gee. He said, Jesus, I don't think, I don't think I know him. And Judas was like, I actually do know. I know where you can find him, <laughs> right? The story goes from palm branches to betrayal and violence and death. That is the invitation of Holy Week to sit with our good grief that allows us to empathize and have hope and realize that if we have had times in our life where palm branches have been living in our face, if we have been betrayed, if we know what it feels like to be hopeful, if we know what it feels like to take one step forward and then we know what it feels like to take two steps back, then that is all information that we are engaging in the story the way the story is told. So we're not going to skip ahead to resurrection. We're going to sit in Palm Sunday. We're going to go through this holy week my invitation to us all is that we participate in some good grief. That we hold the tension of the things we hope for. That we are willing to plant and water seeds, even though we may never see the shade of those trees. The invitation that we're holding hope of what has come and people that have fought and the empires that have fallen and the narratives that we do believe in. To hold those all together as we go through this week. Because this week doesn't end with resurrection this week ends with death. We have Good Friday. I don't know what Saturday is called, but I'm assuming Saturday. Um, <laughs> let me know after your, your deep biblical studies. <laughs> Might have something for me there. And so that's the invitation. May we not skip ahead, but do the work of making a way out of no way. Doing our part, letting God do God's part, and following the long history of the story that has said, I will fight the empire at every turn, even though it feels like one step forward and two steps back, I won't stop. People before me haven't stopped, and I won't stop for the people after me. So grab those same three or four people and answer this question, how can you participate in good grief today?